0: Dinner for Shoes, please. Hi, welcome to Dinner for Shoes. I'm really excited to say that today I'm going to have my second ever podcast guest. And this guest is someone who's really close to my heart. I've worked with her in the fashion industry. We were connected in the fashion industry a long time ago when she reached out to me about um, increasing representation in the industry. And, uh, she wanted to write a story and she's an amazing writer. She's amazing. She's amazing. Creative. She is a fashion designer. Didn't even know she could be a fashion designer. Um, she's a blind fashion designer. She had no idea that that would even be in her wheelhouse, but so many of her steps led her to where she is today. She's founded a clothing brand. It's called NYI, which stands for Not Your Inspiration. Um, We're going to get into the reasoning behind the name and a little bit more about her clothing collection. Um, She is full of knowledge. She's had a lot of experience and she's very insightful. So, just a moment, and Natalie and I are going to be here on this couch, and we're going to eat some amazing Greek salads. Um, they're avocado salads from Plaka Souvlaki, and that's a place in Hoboken that I had had once before, but this is my second time having it with Natalie, and... I have a good feeling about it. I think second time's the charm when it comes for Greek food. I love Greek food. It's one of my favorite cuisines. So I always believe that like, there's no third time's the charm. It's always good the second time if it wasn't good the first time. Um, When there's pita, I'm coming. So come on over and join the chat. Hi, we're here with Natalie Trevon who launched a clothing brand very recently called NYI. Natalie and I are very good friends and we've, just been in the fashion industry together for a while now and stayed in touch, even though we don't live nearby. So I'm really excited today to break some bread and eat these avocado salads from Plaka Souvlaki and uh, just talk about how we stayed friends and stayed in touch and all the amazing things that Natalie's doing in the industry. So do you want to talk a little bit about us meeting and everything?
1: Yeah, I just want to like stop to say that like, Sarah is so special to me. She is (laughs) such a force in the fashion industry. And if it wasn't for people like her, like I would not be in the space that I'm in today just because she believed in the mission right away. And when when I met Sarah, I was pitching to a lot of fashion magazines about writing disability stories in relation to fashion. And my very first story that I pitched was about online shopping and how it was not accessible for people who are mm-hmm. blind and low vision yeah. and nobody would pick it up. Um, And I remember pitching it to a magazine, I won't say who, mm-hmm. and they literally were like, I don't, you don't have a story. Yeah. But here's a story about a blind woman who can't find work. Um, and this is the kind of stories we're looking for. So if you have something like that, pitch it to us. So they literally wanted me to write a sob story, like some t- some type of inspiration porn, Oh my god. um, for like clicks, I guess. Oh. Um, and it was like, this isn't even about fashion. Mine was actually about fashion. Yeah. yeah. And that was just so disheartening to me. And I found Sarah on LinkedIn and I was like, Hey, like I was like <laughs> close to giving up. I was like, yeah. Hey, I'm um, no one's going to pick this up. No one cares. But I was like, let me email. um. This lady, Sarah Wasselak, and I did, <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm just trying to find a home for this story. And she got it right away. Like, and, and this was a LinkedIn message. Yeah. And I didn't even which have-
0: to, I don't normally answer my LinkedIn messages. And,
1: and I didn't even have to like give her a full rundown. She was just like, no, this is important. Yeah. And she immediately connected me with the folks at Pop Sugar, and the story was published. Yeah. And that was the very first, uh, my very first published, you know, professional story was because Sarah, because you believed in me like right away that this was important. Yeah. And from there, like that story ended up getting a lot of attention and I oh, it just great. thank you so much. Yeah, like, of course. I, um, am so honored that you like saw that that it was important. Well, Natalie,
0: you're also an amazing writer. (laughs) So, I mean, like writer to writer, I have major respect for anyone who can tell a story succinctly with words the way you do. And I think like, of course, we're both creative people. So I think we like felt each other on that. But, you know, when there is a topic that I think You know, it's something that we haven't covered. Like, of course, we're going to cover it. I don't care what it's about. Like, if someone wants to write about it, if someone wants to talk about it, that means that there are other people out there who are going to benefit from it, who are going to love it, who are going to share it. And that's like immediately what I saw in you and all of your ideas. And I think... That is so important. You're literally going to make me cry because mm-hmm. I i mean, I just want to keep working together in whatever ways that we can. And But what you were saying about you pitching, that speaks to me a little bit because I remember when Natalie reached out to me and I remember feeling that struggle, right? Like I was not at the top of my company and I, just because I want a story to be published, like I, I do what I can to make sure that like I'm, you know, advocating and just like, Following up and making sure that like, oh, do we have you set up with an account and everything? Like, are you writing it? What's the process? But it's a very frustrating. It's like you have to jump through hoops to see what you want to come to life a lot of the time. I know that's not just the fashion industry, but I feel it a lot in the fashion industry. And I'm just glad that we made it happen then. But I'm even more excited for the future of what we can make happen. Because I think that was just like the first hoop. Yeah, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, um, and then I came back to Sarah with the second idea. Um, I was watching Emily in Paris, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love Emily in Paris, Same. it's a great show. Same. Um, it's just like one of those feel good stories. It's not like yeah. it's like super good TV, but it's like feel good <laughs> yeah. TV, right? Like yeah, yeah. you feel good watching it. It mm-hmm. has such fun clothing and fashion. But I noticed that the audio description wasn't the greatest. And I was, and I get it. It's hard to talk about fashion in a show because Mm -hmm. there's so much going on and you want to make sure that you get the action. But this is not an action show. It is about fashion. Um, And a lot of it is based around marketing within fashion and beauty. Yeah. And so I felt like, well, we need to know like what's going on with the clothing because that's a vital part of the Mm storyline. And it wasn't like an attack on anyone. I just was like, I love this show. And I want other blonde people to be able to enjoy the show and I want people to find out how they, like, what looks go together because um, I love that she has this, like, quirky fun style and it works, Mm -hmm. you know? And she's a perfect example of, like, just beat to your own drum when it comes to what you want to wear. Totally. And I thought that was important because I think sometimes when you don't know what's trendy, you, like, have anxiety about it because you're like, is what I'm wearing great? And then... You know, and then you just don't know. So I thought, I was like, this is so important. So I wrote, I went to Sarah and I was like, hey, I want to pitch about um audio descriptions for fashion. Like, because I want to know what people are wearing. Um, Even if, sometimes it's not even about fashion in the story. Like, I am obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think it's like <laughs> top five shows of all time. And it's iconic for the fashion. Yeah. There's literally... Instagram pages,
0: devoted
1: in yeah. articles about her fashion alone. And I did my research. I found Cynthia Ber- Bergstrom, who was like the lead, you know, wardrobe stylist for that show. And I got to talk to her for that article. It's amazing. Um, and I talked to the designer from um oh. Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And because they you know, people get awards for the fashion. So yeah. it has to be oh, important, yeah. right? Of course. It's so important. It helps um, tell a story. And so yeah. uh, Pop Sugar ended up picking it up as mm-hmm. well. And the 80 people that worked on uh, Emily in Paris actually read the article. Mm-hmm. And the next season I texted Sarah and I was like, Sarah, this 80 is so good. And I like <laughs> made a post about it. And I was like, hey, just want to compliment whoever, you know, those who worked on the AD for mm-hmm. Emily in Paris this season. It's so great. And they commented and they like, hey, we read your article in Pop Sugar. Thank you for the feedback. Yeah. We used a lot of it for this season. Mm-hmm. And I like started crying because you just don't know, like, of course. I don't like it. it people make you feel like this stuff doesn't matter because it's disability. Mm-hmm. And like people I've heard people be like, Well, why would why would this even matter to a blind person? Why would they care about fashion? We do. Oh my God. (laughs) Because everybody, like we want to look cute. We want to be sexy. Like we we
0: shop for clothes. Also not to mention if you're watching Emily in Paris, pretty sure you care about fashion. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right about all of that. And I think specifically, like you said, with Lily Collins, like her character, Emily, her outfits, like that is really eccentric dressing. And I think it's like dressing that anyone is kind of like intimidated to do me because you're like, yeah. does this mismatch of patterns actually work? And you need like watching that, you're gonna want to know exactly what colors, textures, and fabrics she's pairing together. And I just totally get that, you know? Yeah. So um and it was also like just um such
1: an honor to interview Cynthia Bergstrom. I mean oh yeah Puppy's iconic and I got to learn a lot of background stuff about the show. That's cool. And she designed a lot of the clothes. Like she's an actually, she actually sewed a lot of those things. And like for the homecoming episode, she really did like design their homecoming dresses. And she did like a, like a, Kind of like a replica of Isaac Mizrahi for like oh, wow. Sarah's dress, and then she did like a rea- like a uh, like a nod to Rita Hayworth for Hayworth. I can't even talk. Right Hayworth, now. yeah, <laughs> yeah, Hayworth for um, Cordelia's dress, wow. and it was they were so beautiful, and I got to hear like the actual descriptions for that, which is not available in the ad. Oh that's you, I didn't know that. That's it's such an old show um and so i really wish that somebody would go back and do the ad for yeah um buffy so if you're out there please go back and do the ad and incorporate her clothes it does matter it's iconic yeah we, <laughs> we need to know what she was wearing
0: what do you mean it's not available anymore so you know when you go back and you watch it it's well, not no it's available it's mm-hmm. just because the show is so old and they probably did the ad a while ago okay the, they didn't consider fashion okay Oh, okay, okay. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, first of all, how cool is it how many fashion designers, like, are actually sitting there, not just pulling clothes from designers, vintage shops, or whatever, or costume designers, I mean, but actually mm-hmm. sewing the the clothes themselves and doing so much of it in-house. That always mm-hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. So, I mean, I love talking to costume designers, too, and I'm so glad you got to do that, especially for a show that you love so much and love the fashion from. I just think that's great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Natalie, do you want to talk about your outfit? Because I love it.
1: Uh, yeah. So I have on, like, a long sleeve white crop. I don't know where I got this from. (laughs) I, like, don't know what I (laughs) got. Have the things I got. Um, and then I my skirt, my friend actually gave the skirt to me. It's a vintage this. skirt. Oh nice from a vintage store that actually closed down. Mm. <laughs> um that was on 44th Street. Oh my god. In the city. Mm-hmm. So it's super cute. And then I have on some brown um thick heel boots. And I also don't remember where I got these from. I feel like when you like shop too much, you like you just have stuff and like that's really me. Like, yeah, I don't remember where I got stuff from. I'm just like, this looks cute. Let me throw it in the basket. And then my closet <laughs> has way too much stuff. And I give away so many clothes
0: every year. But it's, it's a good thing. ridiculous. It helps you clean out your closet. And it's like, I don't know. That's I actually enjoy like having those things and realizing like, hey, I think I'm done with this piece. And I want to donate it to someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that skirt. I feel like that's like the piece there is this of your outfit i just think it's great i like the different colors in it and the pleats the pleats are great yeah and has like some tulle underneath love that so it gives you a little bit of volume Mm -hmm. yeah um so natalie came to visit me in jersey city from new york where you're staying with a friend um and do you want to talk about the award ceremony from yesterday and what you wore maybe
1: yeah, so uh, yesterday I had the privilege and honor of attending the Women e News Awards ceremony gala last night in New York City. It was at Club 101. And I was being honored for my disability inclusion work within the fashion industry. And I was really shocked. I just found out, like maybe three weeks ago, that I was being honored. And I was a little nervous. I feel like sometimes I have imposter syndrome because I feel like I'm still such a baby in the industry like as far as disability inclusion where it goes within fashion. Mm. And so I was feeling a little bit like, hey, I don't know if I'm like really that deserving like oh you my know, god is you know <laughs> how wide is my impacts but it was so nice to like, see that people actually care about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, That disability representation is important to people. And so that was such um, a blessing to be there. Yesterday, the theme, well, like the attire was supposed to be business festive. I actually didn't know what that was. (laughs) What is that? Um, (laughs) My friend is um, a market editor. So she's like, I feel like it means shiny slash sparkly. Yeah, so I can see that. I wore this shiny gold jumpsuit it was like a halter kind of had like a scoop neck oh love that and then I had like this kind of fleece um like tan colored jacket with a tie it was really cute and I wore like nice. a gold heel and like these really cute dangly gold earrings
0: oh like a chandelier kind of kind like of a- yeah okay I
1: love so that so it was a really
0: cute moment yeah and then
1: I had this like vintage uh gold purse that
0: like sounds some perfect. sparkles <laughs> it sounds like you like hit the nail on the head when it comes when it came to the dress code so for not knowing <laughs> you did a good job <laughs> that's amazing
1: I feel like it's because a lot of people had on sparkles and sequins so I was like, okay, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> then you you made it <laughs> yeah. I always get nervous about that like how to interpret a dress code, right? I want to do mm-hmm. an episode on that because I think it's confusing for some people. No, it's confusing for me. Yeah. Um, do you like the salad? Oh, it's so good. Okay, I like it too. I We both got the same salad. I got mine with chicken and Natalie got hers with uh, salmon, which I was going to completely copy her, but I was like, let me just switch it up and get something <laughs> a little different. Um, I've only had this place once, but I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's right by where um, I picked... Natalie up at the bus, too, so that was convenient. Um, do you have, on the topic of food, any spots that, like, you love to to get food from or order from or actually, like, a restaurant you like to go to when you're in New York? I feel like
1: I always get a slice of pizza at Joe's. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good.
1: Because um, you just can't beat it. Um, I also really, like, my... So one of my best friends, her favorite place is Shea Josephine in the city. I don't think I've heard of that. It's like the restaurant that's like, I think it was like founded by Josephine baker.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I need to look into that. Slash, we'll link it here. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, It's so good. Okay. I feel like it's very cute. Like sometimes they have a guy playing the piano. I feel like if you want to feel expensive for a night, you go to Shea yeah. Josephine. So I really do like that place. I also love Tapa's restaurant. Okay. Like,
0: you
1: I love those. I think there's, like, a little place in the sea called Pacaria. Okay. So I really like doing stuff like that. I like trying, like, different plates and, like, ordering a sangria and just enjoying the night. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I love that about New York as well. I don't feel like we have a lot of tapas places where I live. Yeah.
0: No, that is mm. – I love that. Um. What about, like, are there any places you like to shop when you come to New York? Or,
1: I <laughs> – I try not to do a lot of shopping when I come just because I don't, like, I want to practice um, boundaries with my closet right now. <laughs> um, but I do, you guys, you're, the Macy's out here is so huge. Huge. Um, huge. Huge.
0: Yeah. I, it expands, like, avenues. It's like, It's crazy.
1: Um, So I do like going in there just because I feel like it's just a time, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's just a very different vibe from being, like, I don't actually enjoy going into Macy's where I live, but it just, it's something about, like, the city feel and mm-hmm. that Macy's that just seems so yeah. expansive and, like, ex- you know, exploratory. Yeah. So I do like that. Especially during the holidays, too. Yeah. And it's they have it decorated like, so nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. like... Let, they'll, do, they'll do the windows. So it's always fun. I feel like that is like a New York hallmark. Um, but let's talk about, like, most importantly, uh, NYI. And I think that's, like, obviously what I'm really excited to talk to you about. When was the first time you thought to yourself, like, I need to launch a brand? And do you want to talk a little bit about the first steps you took?
1: Yeah. I mean... When I was in college, I made a post literally 10 years ago that was like, hey, um, I want to design some type of collection. How dope would a blind designer be? And at that point I was just talking, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. I was interested in fashion after the fact, which is so weird because people are like, wait, you started to get interested in style after you went blind? And I'm like, yeah, because it ended up. Being for me, like when I first went blind, I was like, hey, I don't want to just like be like the lonely blind girl. And, like no one talks to me because I didn't know a lot about disability at the time. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing I knew about disability is what you saw on television. And like it was yeah. always like a sad character or like nobody hangs out with them. And I just didn't want that to be me. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, oh, what can I, you know, what can I do to like kind of stand out? And that's when I really got interested in style and fashion. And started to curate my own looks and just really have fun with it. I loved accessories, I loved shoes, like I really got into it. And it ended up being like something that did make me stand apart because everyone's like, wait, um, there is the cute blind girl with the cute clothes, you know? <laughs> um, and that was like, oh wow, like people would come and ask me where I like got my clothes and like where mm-hmm. I got my shoes, or like I really love earrings. So people would be like, oh my gosh, I love those. And, and the ones you're
0: wearing today are amazing.
1: Thank you. And, like, I think people, like, have this thing that people with disabilities are, like, are like, not part of this world. Like, we're, mm-hmm. like, some type of, like, extraterrestrial creatures or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk to us. And I feel like once, you know, they found something that, like, bonded us together, they realized, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a normal person. Like, disability is normal. Like, yeah. she talks like me, walks like me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. likes the same stuff as me. Right. And so... Fashion, to me, kind of leveled the the playing field to where, like, people really felt like they could relate to me and it wasn't, like, a barrier anymore mm-hmm. between us because of my blindness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I initially was just styling myself and styling others. Like, friends would come up to me and ask me, like, what they should wear. And, you know, that was, like, really fun for me, like, putting together outfits or it felt like Such a compliment when people like wanted to go through my closet and be like, hey, I know you have something. (laughs) And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, actually I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that was like really exciting for me. Um and then I graduated and like wanted to get into like uh I wanted to be a publicist. I went to school to be a a communications major, but there were like no blind publicists, and so like the fashion industry was kind of looking at me like no girl like very ableist like i remember my first Mm -hmm. um interview was so like they literally saw my cane and sarah and they just sat there and looked at me like the whole interview what like they didn't even really ask me any questions and i was like trying to engage with them like hey like yeah the ostrich just came out like you know what were your favorite looks and i was Mm -hmm. like trying to say what my favorite looks were and they were Mm -hmm. just like okay we'll call you we oh my god um have any other questions
0: you 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 know what you you mentioned the barriers and i think like it's just that's so probably relatable for so many people out there fashion and the fashion industry you would hope since fashion is something that connects everyone and it's so expressive of like who we are as people you would hope that this industry specifically would be so inclusive but instead We've gone through so many time periods where we've realized that like the barriers just keep going up and it's very frustrating. And I'm sure you were feeling it in that moment. where did you go to school again? I went to Cal, Cal Poly Pomona okay. in
1: California. So I went to school on Kellogg's Ranch. Okay. So we literally had chickens, <laughs> cows, and horses and all yeah. the things. Okay. Um, But it was such a gorgeous school. I mean, yeah. we grew everything on our own. That's amazing. Um, so, but yeah, so that was pretty like traumatizing for me i think i kind of took a step back from Mm -hmm. fashion at that point and was really focusing on disability inclusion okay um and doing a lot of work a lot of advocacy work because i didn't see not only it wasn't just fashion it was just like i didn't see any blind publicist period right um and so i was like okay well (laughs) something has to be done and i think that's when i really started to be like hey I have to, you know, I want to see change. Like I have to start speaking out about it. I can't just be like, well, it didn't work out for me. So let me sit down. Right. Um, And so uh, 2020 came around. I had plans to actually move to the city um, because at that point, I think I was kind of ready to jump back into fashion, fashion? again. I was, yeah. I had done disability advocacy work for a while and I was mostly working in entertainment. And I was like, you know, entertainment and fashion go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, um, I was moving out here and I wanted to take some classes at FIT just to have a better understanding of the industry, mm-hmm. but then the world shut down. Right. It's like um, perfect timing. The, the world that's shut so down. so frustrating. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. So I ended up like being quarantined on a couch in Philadelphia. Okay. Because that was like the closest, like my uncle lives in Philly and that was like the closest thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because like. It was, like, mass hysteria, as you guys remember. Right. Um, and it was really bad on the East Coast. So it wasn't, like, the oh, yeah. perfect time to be jumping on a plane and trying to come all the way back home. It was, like, get to where the closest place and stay there. Right. That's kind of, like, what they were advising at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was in Philly on a couch, and I was like, okay, God, like, this is not the plan that I saw for myself. I <laughs> wanted mm-hmm. to do something fashion. And um, I literally felt like, like he spoke to me and was like, well, he was like, you can still learn about fashion. Like, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I started, like, researching on LinkedIn, like, a bunch of people in the industry. Um, and I was like, well, what do we, you know, what do we do with this information? And I, initially, we were going to start a blog. Okay. Um, and just tell stories of people working in the fashion industry. But, like, people you don't normally get to hear from. Like, yeah. we weren't going to be talking to models and, like, the big name folks that, like, everybody knows. They're everywhere. It was, yeah. like... We want to hear from the people whose blood, sweat, and tears are going into this business. Yeah. Um yeah. And when I was telling my mentors about it, they were like, oh, no. Like, you can't just write this down. Like, you need to yeah. speak about this. And yeah. that's how we started Fashionably's Hardy. So, we started the podcast. And I think... It was such a good time to start because everyone was at home and everyone was willing to talk to us at that time. Of course, there were a few people who were like, who are you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's snobby Uh because, you know, like, especially during that time when there's, you know, uh, like you said, like a lot of people aren't doing much of anything. Like, it's a good time to talk to new people, like network and explore and obviously like take an interview on a, at that time, there must have been like no fashion podcasts or very few. Mm hmm. Um, So, I mean, I think that that's just so, so awesome. Did you learn anything that maybe you have advice for me on since this is like a brand new podcast about fashion? I learned that like
1: you, I learned that it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also learned that people really do appreciate being able to talk about their challenges and journeys, especially those who like, don't get reached out to that often, right? So we're talking to agents and managers, designers, um, creative directors. And I learned so much um, about how similar we all were in a sense that the mm-hmm. industry is a really hard place, not yeah. just for people with disabilities, but like, some of the stories that I heard about yeah. people interning at fashion uh, yeah. places and like like getting fired because like they got the wrong dog biscuit,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and that mm-hmm. has nothing to do
0: with fashion. But oh like- no, are, are you? I used to get in trouble for like getting the wrong coffee for people as an <laughs> intern. <laughs> are you kidding? In like the fashion closet. <laughs> um, well, okay. So then how? Like, did you make the transition from the podcast to thinking, I want to do something bigger. Like, I want to start focusing on NYI. And how did that bloom in your head?
1: People started asking us, like, well, how do I be more accessible in fashion? And I think that's when we started doing consulting. Yeah. Um, accessibility consulting and and wanting brands to really see, like, hey, there's a billion-dollar market in the disability community that yeah. you're missing out because your stuff isn't accessible. your website isn't accessible i can't even go shopping totally because you don't T- have any alt text you don't have
0: mm-hmm.
1: image descriptions on your photos you, your product descriptions leave a lot to the blind imagination mm-hmm. i can't like if you just tell me it's a red top with shorts yeah baby that's not telling me nothing i'm not yeah. gonna buy that <laughs> yeah so um, somebody heard my podcast. Okay. Um, Ernest Spicer. He was a tech. He's a tech professional. Okay. He was working in the NFT space. We'll go back to the article, but I do want to get yeah, yeah. to NY. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, "Hey, like, let's design NFT together." Wow. Um, and I, I thought it was like a scam at first because I'm thinking NFT, Bitcoin. You know. What yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <I> didn't know, <laughs> those letters. And he was like don't reaching out. out from LinkedIn, and I was like, oh. um, <laughs> but he turned to be so nice okay. and like really sincere and like genuine about what he was trying to do when he was like you know nft right now is a, a white boys club mm-hmm. and he was like and i'm just trying to figure out how to be more diverse like mm-hmm. i want to be an ally to people with disabilities and i want the space to open up mm-hmm. because he had already been helping um uh an african-american comic book writer and so he was really trying to be like to give back yeah um and so i was like okay i i decided, I you know, I was like, let me think about it. And I decided on a wedding dress because I don't see a lot of disabled brides or grooms or groomsmen, bridesmaids or, you know, any type of, I don't see that in print, mm-hmm. right? Like you mm-hmm. don't see those on ads. Yeah. And everyone gets married. It's not subject to... Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But (laughs) everyone wears
0: clothes. Everyone gets married. And
1: everyone wants the perfect dress. Yeah. And like we weren't... I wasn't seeing like anyone that looks like me that was getting married. Mm -hmm. Like not even somebody in a wheelchair. Right. And that was really sad to me because I'm like, do we not fall in love? Right. Um, Right. mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, let's do a wedding dress and we... So we did the Nessa dress, which was our first design together. Mm-hmm. I wrote really detailed notes about what I wanted the dress to be. Amazing. Um, I wanted it to have a long train. I wanted it to be classic white, but I wanted it to be really sexy, like Love kind that. of modern day. So it has some see-through features to it, like some gold accents. Mm-hmm. It was a really pretty dress and it got picked up by Meta Fashion Week. Um, and the godmother of the metaverse, Kathy Hackle, actually wore it in the metaverse. Amazing. And was, like, talking to Tommy Hilfiger in it, which was so cool. And, like, That's talking about the dress. Awesome. Um, and then it got picked up from Essence magazine. And then Vogue Business mentioned it. And it was really cool. But it was like, hey, this is not really accessible to blind people. Mm-hmm. NFT is not accessible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I want to keep on this road because... You know, great that like we were able to do something really cool, and I was right. the first blind designer in the metaverse. But if it's not helping the community, then it's not a win for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And Ernest was like, Understood, let's do a physical collection. And I was yeah. like, Whoa, whoa, like, <laughs> You're like, yes. Um, what? He was like, Yeah, like, if this isn't accessible, what's going to be accessible to the community? And I was like, Ernest, I don't know anything about making a physical collection and he was like right well we'll figure it out together and ugh, that's what we did and he was like what you know what are we calling this and i was like not your inspiration and people always like are a little taken aback when i'm like it's called not your inspiration but it's because like as a person with a disability i could be walking down the street and somebody will be like oh my gosh you're so brave you're walking out here by yourself what mm-hmm. an inspiration and i'm like I'm walking like you. Yeah. And it's like, or I'll be on the train and somebody be like, oh my gosh, you're traveling by yourself. And I'm like, would you say the same thing to the attorney sitting next to me going to work? Mm -hmm. Like take the disability out of it. Right. Would I still be inspirational? Right. If not, then maybe it's not the compliment that you think it is. Yeah. And I don't want to be inspirational for just being blind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that is not. Yeah. Like everyone has the opportunity to wake up every day and
0: choose to show up. And I don't see that as, you know what I mean? Like Totally. I completely agree with you. Like inspiration is just not the word, but you're taking it back and you're owning it. And I love that.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I think a lot of times when disabled people do stuff, it's like people put us in like a childlike state. So like Mm -hmm. the infant, you know, the infant, I can't even say the infantilization of disabled folks. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, yay. Like. You literally get on stage and somebody will clap just because you're disabled and you got up there. This is not that. Like, this Mm -hmm. is a very sexy, Mm -hmm. sassy, like this, I feel like I'm in my grown woman era. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to really reflect that in the clothing. Yep. But also NYI is about textures. Because as a blind woman, I identify my clothes through textures. So we're playing with a lot of fun fabrics. Like, we have silks and lace and leather and corduroy we have this really sexy tweed dress that's like a midi tweed with like a open cutout in the front um and just like really modernizing some you know classic textures and being able to fill them so that when you do go into your closet you're like okay this is nyi yeah
0: yeah and And you immediately know and you
1: know and because like for Mm -hmm. a blind person we can't have 10 cotton shirts like Mm -hmm. well we're not gonna know what's what Mm -hmm. you know what i mean? But I feel like if you have a different texture, like I have a tweed skirt from Zara that I love and I know it's red because
0: it's my tweed Zara skirt. So I'm adding the color to the texture. So I never forget. Right. Right. And don't you, I mean, you and I both love fashion. So I feel like you'll agree with me here. But like, I almost like personalize my clothes in a way. Like when I feel it, I'm like, oh, that's my, like, okay. Use tweed Zara skirt, for example. Like that's my tweed Zara skirt. And immediately I think of like the memories that I made Mm -hmm. in that skirt. And it's like. It's almost like that's its name and it's like a person to me. I'm like, (laughs) oh, like I'm going to wear this today. But speaking of Zara and speaking of the textures in your line, I wore my rhinestone Zara jeans today just because I know that NYI is big on texture. And I love that. I think that you like also just texture and adding details to clothing, any sort of embellishment, I think just makes it more it speaks to someone mm-hmm. more who, like, has a certain sense of style or aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's me because I would wear, like, that texture. Like, tweed, for example. Maybe we associate that with a preppy look. I mean, it changes from year to year. Mm-hmm. But I just think that that's... It's so smart. Um, do you have any other brands, either favorite brands of yours or other brands that you just admire and you respect in the industry? Um, I really
1: love the designers that i worked with this year i don't know if you know but my job levant consulting inc put on an inclusive and accessible fashion show Mm -hmm. which was the first of its kind like we literally had everything from asl interpreters to cart captioning we had audio description for the designs that were coming down the runway Mm -hmm. accessible seating um all the things it was hosted by Selma Blair and my boss Andrea Levant Mm -hmm. and we worked with some incredible designers who were so ready to jump in and um design for everyone that's amazing like they did not bat an eye when we were like hey there's gonna be 30% people with disabilities in this show Mm -hmm. that's really special to me so Rebirth Garments was one of our designers and they are Sky, Sky. I don't want to say their name wrong, so I'm not going to say their last name. Okay. (laughs) But Sky is such an amazing designer. Mm -hmm. Their clothes are so bright and vibrant. We'll link it
0: here. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and the
1: clothes were just so gorgeous. Kyle Denman was another designer that I worked with. He was on Project Runway, and (laughs) he had a like his collection was like flowers. So he had these like really cool flower designs okay. um, and it was almost like a wedding. Wow. So it was so amazing. And again, he did not bet an eye when we were like, hey, like we're going to have some disabled designers. He like jumped mm-hmm. in and made sure that his clothes were functional for everyone. And I think that's adaptive fashion is great. And I'm not arguing against adaptive fashion because mm-hmm. i think it's helpful but what i've been trying to get brands to do is just to just to design funk like with function in mind mm-hmm. like we don't need a separate line yeah yeah because okay people do not want to feel othered or mm-hmm. like People are not going to go and buy your adaptive stuff. That's what i was going to ask
0: you about because like I do know that a lot of collection, a lot of brands that have tried to like launch an adaptive line, they've gotten backlash and I don't know if it's, I mean, how do you feel about that? I guess. Do you feel like you agree with a lot of the backlash that you've heard from certain brands that are creating these, Adaptive specific lines that maybe have one or two items in them. Well, also they don't tend to be that stylish. And I'm not trying to be rude, but it's like
1: usually a button up or some jeans. And like my friends that are like have dexterity issues or who are in wheelchairs, they shop at Fashion Note. You know what I mean? They're going to like the regular stores. Like they're not looking for adapt. Like they Mm -hmm. want to be included in the regular style. Right. So your whole... Your whole like your premise here is that there are ways to make, make things functional, right? Just add the right. functionality to your already collections mm-hmm. and, and the websites and the websites, and that's yeah. what I loved about these designers. They didn't make a whole new line; they just right. incorporated the people with disabilities into their
0: collection and make yeah. sure the things fit. And you're doing that by adding the texture and personalizing yeah. your items, which is like amazing. And it's I just like can't believe it hasn't been done before and enough. I can't Mm -hmm. believe it hasn't been done enough. Um, and I mean, I'm so proud of you for that. Like I, you're an inspiration to me just because you had a dream and you just like went out there and did it. I mean, that's kind of like what I'm trying to do with the podcast, but that's why you're my inspiration. (laughs) Like I, I mean, like I talk about that a lot, but it's, it. you are also helping the community, but you're doing something that's close to your heart, important to you, going to help others, and also gonna really spread awareness in the industry that needs to be spread. Um, so, I mean, I just commend you for that.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, so do you have any future goals, either with NYI or just something that you wanna do in the fashion industry in the future?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we eventually want to have a store in New York and a store in L.A. Like, that's the ultimate wow. goal. Yeah. Um. So people can actually come in and, like, feel the clothing. Like, it's not just an online thing because mm-hmm. that's the whole premise. You know, we want people to be able to go in and, like, really immerse themselves and have the whole NYI experience. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I would love that. I would love oh, for yeah. blind people to have an actual place to go in and, like, just fill everything and have a good time. And it won't just be for blind people. I think a lot of people enjoy that about fashion. Oh, like, yeah. And also we, you know, um, we made a lot of sets too. And I was thinking like, hey, like, you know, the blind community, why it sets? Because they felt like they didn't want to like, they didn't want to have to like mix and match or like mm-hmm. try to pair things together because mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult. And then everyone was like, wait, no, we like sets too. Yeah. Like, it's not just the blind thing right Um, which just speaks to the whole like we're all the same exactly (laughs) so that's why I'm like accessibility literally helps everyone it's not just like hey like we don't make a big deal when someone's like, hey, I'm lactose intolerant. Do you have almond, almond right, milk? Right. Like, right. that's just somebody's access need, right? Yeah. And we don't make a big deal about that. So, why do we do the same thing for disabled people? We're like, oh, special needs. Right. Well, is it special when you need some almond milk? Not mm-hmm. really. It's just mm-hmm. an access need, right? Yeah. So, it's like basic human rights. And, like, yeah, that's what we're, the message we're trying to spread. But, like, yeah, just so having those stores that people can actually, um, go in and feel like adding that extra layer of accessibility because you know online shopping is not always accessible for everyone
0: yeah
1: um but we're also like trying to start like a nonprofit arm of nyi called access chicks Amazing. where we're providing workshops for people with disabilities to get beauty and fashion management a lot of people don't have access to that type of information like there's so many blind women who just want to learn how to do basic makeup mm-hmm. and that is not available to them. They can't just watch a video on TikTok. Mm-hmm. you know, that's not accessible. Right. Um, but also like, uh, people with dexterity issues are like, Hey, like if we could have like that in person kind mm-hmm. of, um, person to person tips and tricks of like what to do, that would be so helpful. Yeah. Like when we're like going on job interviews or just in presentation in general, um, but also like knowing how to dress for different occasions. Like if you can't see and there's no image descriptions or audio descriptions, right. how do you know how what to wear for a job interview? Or how do you know what business festive looks like <laughs> or yeah. Um, yeah. chic or you know formal? Like you don't know like totally. what's what what to wear. Like my friends are like some of my blind friends are like I'm going to a brunch. Like what should I wear? Like yeah, those are yeah. not things that like they have access to, and we want to provide access to that. And so we want to provide these free workshops where people can attend. Um, we already have a lot of interest from some organizations that are willing to like donate product. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're hoping to get the fashion industry involved to say, Hey, like this is your opportunity to like really show up in a community that needs access to to clothing. Um, and so that's a big part of what I want to do. I have such a big heart for the community. Like, I want them to succeed and I want them to have access to fashion in the same way that their peers do because Mm -hmm. we all wear clothes and this is how we express ourselves yeah. and it should be made available to literally
0: everyone yeah and I know you and I had talked about the potential of those workshops and I loved that idea and I think what spoke to me about it so much was that also people would be able to ask questions right mm-hmm. because that's even something that I think people who just don't like and someone who doesn't have a good sense of how to put something together or like mm-hmm. what business chic is they want to be able to just ask that question right mm-hmm. and not just like with chat GBT they want to mm-hmm. get the Mm -hmm. answers so I think having that in person like you ask me a question I respond then we talk about it and that is just making it so much more accessible and easy to understand exciting Mm -hmm. like and especially if you had the clothes there and the makeup there to actually play around with Mm -hmm. like that is just the ultimate so I cannot wait for that. I'm very excited for you.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about um, your first runway show. You were in an all-blind runway show uh, for Not My Eyes, right? That was the showcase? Yes. Okay, so when was that again? That was this year? This was this year in April. Yes, okay. So
1: I flew to New York to be in a show that was created by Annalise Smith, who's a plus-size blind model who started this because like a lot of us did not see herself mm-hmm. reflected on the runway. And she had done a couple of shows and is usually the only person um, with a disability. So yeah. let alone a, a blind person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this was her second year and it was just phenomenal to be able to have the opportunity to walk the runway and, Obviously, like it was so cool to be able to write about it and pop sugar. Yeah, and kind of even spread the news about the show. And yeah, if you know any blind folks that would be interested, I definitely suggest getting involved with Not My Eyes. Um, then we'll next- also
0: link that here. Yeah, and <laughs> the next show
1: is coming in April. I think it was just like an eye opener for me too because. Mm-hmm. I tend to work behind the scenes a lot, right? Yeah. And so this is me getting on the runway. I have such appreciation for runway models. Yeah. Because oh like <laughs> having to get yeah. on stage and walk in those high heels. Yeah. And Anna was very great about making it accessible. You could walk with your cane or your guide dog or with an escort. Okay. All three options were available. And okay. then she take paint sticks down to the runway that match the runway so that you could feel like when you're getting to the end, um, and where your marks were. And so it just goes to show that it can be done. Of course. And it should be something that's available all the time. Like people should open their runways up more (laughs) because there was some great talent going down the runway. Yeah. And I just really hope that the show, you know, is an example to others that, you know, anything is possible and you shouldn't cut people out
0: based on a stereotype or a misconception. Mm-hmm, hmm 100%. I think that also all of the images, they were great. Like you said, it was so well-organized. Um, everyone was, I mean, yes, it's a testament to runway models and what they do, right? But everyone looked awesome. Everyone looked honestly like they had done it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, you know, so I think that... Um, I think it's good that you learned a lot. Would that ever be a dream of yours to have an NY NYI show with your clothing? Because that would be amazing.
1: Well, <laughs> we actually so the the I am Inclusive Runway Show that I did with Levant yeah we actually debuted NYI there. Okay, so I did have models going down in my clothes for the first time ever. How did that feel? It was amazing.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> my would My models were
1: so good. Okay, and the cool part was that I had some of everyone. Yeah. I had, um, a, one of my models, Cassidy Huff, who's a very gorgeous little person, was so excited to be able to have, a some, a clothes that was not in the children's section. Yeah. Um, she had on, like, a very cute bra top with the back cut out. And, like, I put, like, these ruffled shorts on her that kind of made it look like a skirt because they were ruffled. They were teal yeah. like, and yellow. Love that. Um, so she was giving, like, beach vibes, going down the runway. Yeah. It was a grown outfit. Yeah. And as she should, because she's a grown woman. <laughs> and she,
0: I'm assuming, did, did, you, did you work with them to be like, oh, she was, like, one of your favorite pieces? Or did you style no, them? No, I styled them. Okay. I was like, oh, I think this would look great
1: on her. Yeah, yeah. And it did. Um, it worked out really well to where it did fit her, mm-hmm. um, even though she was a little person. And so I love that about our collection. Like, mm-hmm. it we do have something for everyone. And that was great. I got to work with a deaf model. She was so amazing. Um, and I got to work with an amputee model and another blind model. Mm-hmm. And then just models of all different ethnicities and races. It's amazing. And it was just, uh, it was a moment. It was a vibe. Totally. And they all, like they Cassidy was telling me the other day she's like we all still talk to each other we still hang you know we still that. message each other and they didn't know each other before you know being in this show yeah. and it's like all these different girls from different backgrounds and it's not a us and them it's like it's not all oh, the girls with the disabilities over there or the guy. you know yeah it's like all of them were in one collection and they really bonded and yeah. that was so
0: important to me it's like people working on a project together and staying yeah. in touch which I think that's a testament to how well you were, as I'm honestly the creative director of that whole project. Because obviously everyone had so much fun, learned so much, and felt so much love working together. So I think that that just shows so much about you. Um, so I hope you do another one soon. I know. I hope that
1: like we can bring a show to New York. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, there are so many other people that. We're on the East Coast that want to be involved in the one in L.A., but of course, it's mm-hmm. so, you know, it's far. Yeah, plane tickets and all that. Yeah, so hopefully, that. like, we're able to do something similar out here and mm-hmm. bring that same type of energy and
0: that spirit of accessibility and inclusiveness to New York. Love that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for being here, for spreading the word, for talking about your amazing collection, NYI, and I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I
0: loved talking to you. The salad was great. (laughs) Yes, we will be here with our salads. (laughs) See you later. Well, thank you for having that incredibly important discussion with me and Natalie and sitting here for it, learning a lot about fashion and what's missing from the fashion industry, what there could be more of, and how everyone just needs to work together to expand representation in order to. Make it part of the everyday, right? There should be blind models on the runway. There should be models in wheelchairs on the runway. There should be every type of person that exists in this world on the runways. And until fashion gets to that point, fashion hasn't done its due diligence or done its job. Fashion is, it's like I was saying to Natalie earlier. It's so reflective of who we are as people, right? It's even more reflective of who we are as people than like our own names. So how can it not be inclusive of everyone i don't know how we're still sitting here it's 2023 and people are struggling over this conundrum and natalie is working hard every day and i i want to work hard with her and be an ally as well and get you know get the word out that we need to just continue to include everyone where there is fashion where there is fashion there is every walk of life even the cats because my cats are super stylish too so they're allowed to be on the runway right now I don't know. Screw the cats. We actually had to. We had to leave them in the bathroom for a little bit because we were really excited by the smell of the Greek food, which was so good. I'm so glad that we had it. Um, and yeah, in, and I had a great time with Natalie today. So I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Please like and subscribe. Please share this episode. Please spread the word about Dinner for Shoes. And I will see you next time. Thank you.